What's up, everybody? My name is Fernanda Sesto. I was born and raised in Uruguay, but I'm currently a senior at the University of Rochester in New York, and I'm very passionate about entrepreneurship, technology, and building things. I've been involved with the venture capital space since my freshman year of college, and I decided to create this podcast because I want to bring visibility to Latin America as an emerging market and help investors and just people who are interested in investing in the region to understand more about the ecosystem there. I will be interviewing investors and entrepreneurs, talking about their career, their experiences, trends, and everything related to ventures. In this second episode, I talk with Natalia Gonzalez Vela from Upload Ventures, which is an early stage venture capital firm focused in Latin America. Natalia is an investor at Upload Ventures who previously worked at SoftBank, Cloud Capital, and EY. Hi, Natalia. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing, Fernanda? Good to see you again. Yeah, I'm so happy to connect with you again. Um, it's been a while, but I'm very excited to talk to you about venture in LATAM. You've had quite a journey since last time we talked, so very happy to have you on the podcast. It is my pleasure to be on the podcast. I really appreciated what a hustler you were the first time we met <laughs> uh, and I, you know, really following up on what you loved early and really going after the networking aspect, which is so important in this business. So super happy to be part of your podcast. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, thank you. I admire you a lot. So it's great. So if you can talk about yourself a little bit, a quick intro about what you're doing and what you're working right now. Sure. Quick intro. Okay. So Natalia Gonzalez Vela. I'm originally from Guadalajara, Mexico, but I did move to the United States when I was three years old. So Tex-Mex, right? And proudly Tex-Mex. Um, I consider both myself both Mexican and American. Um, so I grew up in Dallas. Afterwards, I attended Boston College on a full academic scholarship through, the, through Boston College and General Motors. So super fortunate to study finance, marketing, and Mandarin Chinese at that point. Um, I'd been studying Chinese for four years, did four more in college, went to Beijing, um, finished up my, my minor there, came back and um, as a finance major, you had like two routes, right? That were kind of like predestined for you, which was either consulting or investment banking, which we now know is such a wider spectrum of things you can do. But at that point I dabbled in both, but I ended up going to consulting and um, I joined the alternative asset management group at Ernst & Young. Mostly actually because in one of my internships, I met a woman who headed all of um, LATAM financial services at EY, a Latina from Peru. Amazing. I learned so much from her. And I've always been really driven to work with people that I admire and look up to and feel like I can learn from. So I knew that was the place for me right out of college because I really wanted to learn those like toolkit transferable skills. Joined um, Ernst Young out of New York. Loved it. Incredible experience. My flagship moment, you could say, within the firm after working with a bunch of different asset management um, clients, trillion plus dollars and above, was to kind of have an intrapreneur experience and build, help build a very large project within the firm that turned into like a $30 million account. So it was an amazing experience. At the same time, though, I got curious about entrepreneurship. So I started doing a little consulting for, for startups on the side. Um, and at the same time, I was applying to my MBA because I've always been the kind of person that has like a 10 year plan. Right. And at the end of my 10 year plan um, that I created when I was like 15 was to go get my MBA. However, um, life never works out the way you think because that coincided with COVID. Um, so it wasn't the best time to go get your MBA. And luckily, one of the opportunities that I had been supporting on the side in Panama 
through them, like I got connected with a VC fund in Miami who I built a relationship with. And eventually they were like, would you like to come down to Miami and be an investment manager for the entire Spanish speaking Latin venture practice? And I was like, of course. <laughs> um, this was right at the beginning of COVID that I moved down to Miami. Um, I was there for a yeah, year and a half-ish, a little bit more, um, doing the whole spectrum of the kind of venture life cycle, right? I was sourcing, analyzing, negotiating, closing, and operating. So it was a tremendous learning experience, really helped um, grease my wheels, if you will, like as IVC. And as I was learning like the business in itself, I was also building that network, right? And that network became extremely valuable for my next steps. Um, the focus had shifted a little at the fund. So at that point I was dabbling with other opportunities and almost joined a, a startup actually in Silicon Valley as director of operations. When through this network in LATAM, I met Rodrigo Bayer and Marco Kamhaji, which are my current um, partners right? And they were hiring for the SoftBank early stage team. And I had one initial conversation with them and realized so quickly that this was an endeavor that I really wanted to be a part of, right? Not only was the opportunity in itself incredible, but they, again, like I'm really drawn to people I can learn from. They were incredibly, um, you know, astute and smart people that you could also tell were just like incredible people to be around. So luckily, a um, couple weeks later, I was hired at SoftBank early stage incredible experience with my team in brazil my colleagues are brilliant and kind and driven people so really thrived in that environment but then again life happens and you can't always have a 10-year plan because um when Marcelo left it coincided with um the spin-off of softbank early stage which has been you know we're very excited about it's been a tremendous experience and now we are super proud to be upload ventures so that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> wow, that's a, like very impressive, very long. Like you had a lot of different paths in the way. I'm sure that, you know, the COVID, you know, not getting the MBA, like that must have been hard to decide, I guess. Um, and how do you feel about that? Is that something that you want to go and do in the future? Or do you want to keep like, do you think that's necessary for a career venture? Like what are your thoughts on that? I'm just curious. Yeah, honestly, this is something I still turn around in my head, right? Honestly, a big part of why I wanted to get my MBA was to pivot into this world and to build network, right? So at the same time, those things almost happened. They did happen, not almost, leapfrogging that step. Um, so you have to like, if I'm thinking very pragmatically from an ROI perspective, does it make sense at this point? Less and less every day, right? But I would never dissuade someone from pursuing like an educational opportunity. Like I was a nerd my whole life. I dreamed with the MBA experience my whole life. So if you really want to have that experience, I always think that it will be valuable, you know? So who knows? Again, the future has been very unpredictable for me lately. So I'm not closed and I'm not actively pursuing. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I think, you know, also as you're keep, you know, having more and more work experience, it also like kind of, um, matches what you know an MBA could get you as well so as you said the the um, more like the benefits of having an MBA's network and you know getting to the venture so if you're already there then maybe like you know you can keep growing in different ways not necessarily through that path so I mean I'm all for you know different and alternative paths into like different careers um, I really admire people who break into venture um, in different ways. So that's, that's really good. Um, 
so you talk a lot about you know your different experiences in in cloud campus of bank you now upload um so what was the original driver that led you to you know start your career in bc and like what was the main motivation for you to get involved with entrepreneurs yeah great question so here's where it's like you think get very thankful for things not working out exactly how you wanted right because again like i go back i did really have like a formally written 10-year plan and pivoting into venture was not part of it you know so like mentally i had kind of closed this door for myself that it ended up being one of the biggest blessings in my life and what happened there I was just so dead set on going into my mba i never even thought about the possibilities of a world beyond that or before that you know i would say like i remember distinctly when i was at boston college there was a course called vc and pe right it was an elective course your senior year taught by my favorite professor of all time um and i didn't take it but even though i was interested because i was like no that's not even going to happen until after my mba which is ridiculous you should learn about things that you're interested in but um, honestly, the way that I got into, into venture was because I was curious. I was curious about the, the startup world outside of the large corporate trillion plus dollar asset management world I was operating within. And honestly, it was because the real trigger was because I was supporting a friend who was a founder in Panama. And this has been one of my best friends um, my whole life. And I realized that beyond like what it represented for me in the short term, something that I'm very passionate about and is what drives me as a VC is, is three things. First, I have always felt very fortunate to have been born in Mexico and come to the US and have that a very privileged education. Um, and I'm super thankful for that every day. And I always thought about all the people like in Mexico that will never, you know, get these opportunities or even have the opportunity to have the opportunity, you know, and I wanted to find a way somehow to kind of give back to Latin America. So being a VC in LATAM allows that to, in a regard. Additionally, um, we did have a little bit of a tumultuous um, upbringing, if you will, uh, financially there. And at one point, like the only way that I got to have the privilege education I did in high school and college is because people gave me scholarships and they believed in my potential when I was literally, when I literally had nothing, when I told them I will be a good investment. Please believe in me, I will work so hard. I'm gonna build something. And they did. And thanks to those gener to their generosity, I am where I am today. Um, and so I like that aspect of venture, you know, um, getting to know people, understanding their passions, what they're gonna build, what their potential is, how I could support them in that vision. Um, so that aspect is super important to me because at one point, a lot of people took a chance on me. And finally, um, like I said, I just love the intellectual sprints of venture. Like I've always been such a nerd in that regard. I love learning something new every day. And something that I love about this early stage um, business, if you will, is that of course you have like, uh, have a, fi a finance background. You have that element at play with the portfolio, with the key KPIs, the unit economics, the projections to an extent, more assumption-based than, you know, anything else. But I love the philosophy part of it, you know, taking an opportunity, turning on his head, debating it, getting really philosophical with it, the critical thinking. So all of those things are are kind of what drew me to venture. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that that really resonates with me, actually, as you were saying, you know, giving back to a town, to the people who helped you also. And like, you know, the, the fact of um, that you can with venture, you can support people who want to build things and who are out there just to make an impact in the world. I, I personally, that's what 
you know, got me interested as well in, in VC, of course, you know, I'm way earlier in the career than you. Um, but I, I'm also very interested in that aspect. And the, the finance side, I would say it's something that I'm still, you know, I'm more interested in the engineering side of, of you know, just understanding the technologies. But yeah, the finance side, I, I think it's like something that I'm starting to like understand and, and also, you know, like more as I, as I learn. Um, but yeah, definitely, um, that was a really well put. And I think, you know, it's very, it's very important to understand why you are doing a career, I think, why you chose that. So I'm glad that, that you, you know, you have that, <laughs> um, that you're passionate about what you're doing. Um, so one more question about your uh, background. What's your favorite part, I guess, like of your job? If you're day to day, um, what, what do you like the most? Well, beyond the like um, aspects that I gave about, you know, contributing to LATAM and, and helping support like other people's like, you know, big aspirations is I just love meeting ambitious and driven people. You know, when you're around those people and you just feel like supercharged, like my job is literally to talk to founders who are looking to make an impact and change the world. And even when you're exhausted, even when you're stressed, even when you have like a million things going on, like I can't help but think like, what a privilege. I get to talk to badass people every single day and hear about like the things that they're building. And to me, that is just such, that's my favorite part. It's my favorite part of the job, hands down. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think it's very exciting yeah, to me. I'm sure like with your experience, you've got to meet a lot of, lot of like founders with like incredible ideas. And I'm sure it's also hard to say no sometimes. You, I was about to say, my favorite part is also my least favorite part because sometimes it, it, it is hard to say no, right? And it's a very important part of the business. And in fact, I think the clearer the no, the more respectful. And it can seem like more direct in the moment, but like I, something that I emphasize so much and that I take super seriously and that our whole fund takes very seriously is feedback right? Like if I'm going to say no to you, I am going to write you a detailed email telling you exactly why not, what would we look for next time, things that could be improved. Because if you're giving me your time, then the least I can do is give you that, that retribution back, that time back. Because I joke sometimes that sometimes I feel like a professional dream crusher <laughs> and I don't like this. So it is part of the learning process. It is 1000% part of the job. Um, but we try to make the time given to us by founders as, as valued as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm sure that must be really hard. Um, and that's good though, that you, you send people, you know, feedback and that they can learn at least it's like an experience, a positive experience for them, even though the, 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 there's a rejection, but, um, okay. So talking about Latam, you're very, very involved. I see you everywhere. You're involved with WeVest. Uh, Latam, a group of uh, female investors in Latin America. I really, I really like and I follow a lot. So um, I'm sure you have tons of, you know, ideas and you know a lot of about the ecosystem there. So what are some of the advantages you see in Latin American founders and some of the disadvantages that you see? Hmm. Some of the advantages that I see in Latin founders, and I guess like my backdrop for comparison here is the U.S., right? Um, just to kind of clear that. So I think that LATAM founders, because of the culture, because of the essence, even because of the language, right? I think linguistics plays a big part, like 
I think like the cultural aspect that I see around early stage startups, how you value the culture, how you interact with your people, how you see like their happiness at work is almost more natural to me in a LATAM startup. Like, I don't get me wrong, the, all the American founders I've met value this a lot too, but to an extent, it seems a little bit more clinical, like more surgical in the way that it's thought out where the LATAM founder is more natural in this regard. They grasp it very openly. Um, and I love that. I think that's a really beautiful part about being Latin American, the warmth and the emphasis on people, you know? Um, some of the disadvantages that I see is because, I mean, if you think about it, the venture industry in the US started in 1945. So what? The, the one in LATAM started really in 2012, depending on who you ask. They have like eight decades of experience and we have one that is just coming to an end, right? So the American founder tends to be a little bit more polished, a little bit more prepared, a little bit more kind of in sync with, with the ecosystem that has supported them for a very long time, right? While I think that there's still a learning curve for the LATAM founder, that being said, like LATAM founders are hungry, they're resilient, they're used to things not being perfect, right? Because that's also part of the beauty of Latin America, it's not perfect. So they're quick learners and they they want to make it happen. But I will say in general, it just seems like in terms of like knowing the fundamentals of like how to build a business and how to raise money, you can tell the difference in, in the US investors. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think, yeah, it also reflects, you know, how lifestyles and quality of life is in Latin America. Me as, you know, being from Uruguay, um, I can definitely see how that you know, lack of sometimes of like, I, I guess it's also like, like related to education and you know, how um, people are familiarized with the industries or not. Um, I think a lot of Latin American founders just try to solve problems that are really needed. And that it's like not driven just for the sake of making money, but also for the sake of solving a problem that is really um, important to solve in, in the society that they live in. And I think that, you know, need of like helping sometimes can, you know, come without like any background in business or how to, you know, create a strategy and, and specifically with how to raise money. I've heard from a lot of people in Latin America that it's also when you compare, you know, pitch decks or uh, pitches from Latin American founders with American founders, you can see a lot like this, you know, this party of um, information on how to properly pitch your company and, and I think it comes from that, like, well, in my opinion, I don't know, I want to hear your thoughts about that. Because the, the reality of the Latin American founders is also um, very different from Americans because of the standards of living as well, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's, that's actually something that goes into why I like being a VC in LATAM. Like, I think, and this is, it's one of those things where it's like, it's good that this is balanced. I think it's easy to say that like a lot of the VC um, opportunities in LATAM are, are have like a social or systemic impact, whether they be in finance or education or health or, you know, like logistics or that, that can like move the needle for the masses. But the thing is, like, it's not just because it happens to be a nice place to contribute that might have a social impact element. It's because that's where the large returns are, right? Yeah. It's like, if you look at the differences between the US and the LATAM market, just in the the, the middle class distribution, the purchasing power, all the difference in like consumer preferences and cultural, you know, like um, influence, like 
if you're going to attack a large opportunity in Latin America, you have to go to the masses and the masses are where there's the problems of health and finance and education. So that's what I love, right? Because you're, you're focusing on opportunities that make money. Don't get me wrong. At the end of the day, this is a business, you know, no, yeah, yeah. A business yeah. of returns, but it just so happens that it's at this intersection where it has the potential to make the lives of millions potentially a lot better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what I mean. Yeah. Is there are businesses. I just see the difference, like based on like what the businesses are building, it just seems to have also like a social, like a purpose, um, more than just, you know, I mean, they are businesses, so they are making money and they have to make money to grow and to keep reaching more customers for sure. But there's also this social, social impact that I see a lot and I, and I love, I personally love, and I think that's the future of entrepreneurship around the world, in general. hopefully. Um, so what do you expect to see in Latin America in the next 10 years in terms, you know, venture funding, entrepreneurship, technology, what are your thoughts on that? Mira, my opinion is that LATAM is here to stay on the world stage, right? The region itself is almost like proof of concept itself on the world stage in terms of entrepreneurship and venture capital. Um, in the last decade, right? We just finished our last cycle. Like I said, if we go 2012 to 2022, we've proven that there is opportunity. We've proven that there is talent. We've proven that there is unicorn potential. You know, I know right now there's a lot of uneasiness because of the market that we're in. That being said, um, this is like kind of a hot take on my, from my perspective. And that is that like, I know people are thinking like, oh, this market right now is crazy. Honestly, 2021 was crazy. This yeah. is more normal, you know, like, so having this like market correction, if you will, is in the short term and in the midterm, it's a bit painful, right? But in the long term, like the shift back to focusing on the fundamentals, focusing on unit economics, companies that make sense as they grow is going to build really successful, sustainable companies 10 years from now, right? As opposed to companies that never that might come from a place of a little bit more like capital privilege, if you will, and had, um, you know, more freedom in the short term to make things happen, but in the long term suffer those consequences. So if anything, I'm feeling very confident on the region. I am long Latam, if you will. <laughs> um, and I personally don't plan to go anywhere. And I know my team feels the same way. So we're excited about what we're gonna see in the next decade. Oh, that's awesome. I'm very happy to hear that you feel so positive about it. Um, definitely 2021 in terms of venture funding, it was a crazy year in Latin America. That's what put Latam, I feel like, in everyone's radar um, around the world, also with Asia. I mean, SoftBank is like, didn't SoftBank start um, in 2021, like move their funds or 2020? Or am I wrong? No, no, no. You're, you're, you're correct. The, the like big entrance into Latin America happened around five-ish years ago um, with, with SoftBank. And honestly, I will say like, I've obviously, I had a very positive experience of SoftBank. We retained really positive relationships and I'm thankful for my time there. They really did open the door. They really did kick the door open in Latin mm -hmm. America, right? With the first kind of billion that was committed to the region. Yeah. And um, I think that, you know, that step forward that, that they took is, it, again, is here to stay. Yeah, um, that's great. And you're based in Mexico City, right? I am in Mexico City. Okay, time. okay, that's great. Yeah, so you're definitely there um, in the <laughs> in the region. I think that also gives you a lot of advantage to get to know a lot of founders. Um, so what are some of the mistakes 
that U.S. investors do when they're approaching investing in, in Latin America, um, in Latin American companies? U.S. investors. Hmm. I would say that obviously the, the venture market in the U.S. is extremely competitive, right? So I think there is, I think that maybe a little bit of that, of that um, attitude, which I'm not saying is negative, right? That a healthy dose of competition is a very positive thing. When you're going into a new region that isn't your own, like I think it's super important to partner with local partners, with local venture funds that know the regulations, that know the culture, that understand the impediments, that can help you navigate like the, the social elements. And a lot of times I see US funds trying to take the whole pie, which in the end backfires, right? And then there's bridges have been burned and then the founders suffer, right? So I think both for founders and US investors, it's prudent to have a regional partner that is in the region, is dedicated to the region, and wants to collaborate. Like, LATAM regional funds are more than happy to collaborate with U.S. regional funds. So I think it's a win-win. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Also, um, definitely, uh, yesterday I was talking for another episode, actually, to a lawyer about this, um, about the regulations um, and the regulatory landscape in general and how it's so important to understand uh, that and definitely local investors have an advantage in that sense. Um, so to sum up, so you kind of said a hot take about venture. Do you have any other in Latin America, venture in Latin America in general? I would say that that's my primary hot take in Latin America okay. right now, that um, I wouldn't say that this market is crazy. I would say last year's market is crazy, mm -hmm. uh, but we're going to make it work. Okay. <laughs> and you know this i'm asking these are the two questions that i'm asking the everyone the hot takes and then if you have any advice for you know young investors or college students like me who are just trying to understand more about the investing landscape in latin america and do you have any advice or that you know we should like just know about our careers in general yes i let's see i would give i would say three primary things I think the thing that made my pivot into venture possible from consulting was my focus on transferable skills, right? So I would advise any student, um, anybody who's interested in eventually pivoting in their career to focus on transferable skills. To me, there is no transferable skill more powerful than communication. For example, you know, knowing how to lead a meeting, knowing how to do a pitch, knowing how to come across giving feedback, knowing how to, you know, establish a message. I, I left this out of kind of my intro, but I did theater and competitive debate for 12 years. That was a huge part of, I mean, that is a huge part of who I am, you know? And so I think to cultivate transferable skills like that, um, whether it be communication or whether it be a certain like, um, you know, comfort with being uncomfortable or, you know, certain proficiencies with um, networking, you know, that's a very transferable skill. No matter where you go, these things will serve you. So make sure you have that kind of toolkit skill and it's gonna help you go from, from area to area. The second thing I would say is you never know who you're gonna come across, right? So like, first of all, treat people with kindness and respect always, despite like, no matter what, you know? But even when you're networking, you might think that you're meeting this person right now. You don't know who they're going to be down the line, you know? So like, again, always treat people equally. And when you go into these networking experiences, I would say, obviously they're purposeful, they're intentional, but 
focus on getting to know the person and not on being transactional, you know, because that comes off phony. When I first started doing my networking in LATAM, like you mentioned, we invest um, with Susana Garcia Robles and Marta yeah. Cruz, which are amazing mentors of mine. Yeah. I didn't reach out to Susana after I heard her podcast because I wanted something from her. I reached out to her because I thought she was an incredible powerhouse woman and I just wanted to learn from her because I admired her so much, right? And eventually that built into a really powerful relationship, you know? But like approach it, I think, from a more authentic place. Um, and I had a third one and I'm blanking right now. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think if I were to just give like one more piece of advice is to, to be open. I guess that's something that I had to really learn myself, right? Because I knew what my life was going to be with my 10 year plan. And the moment that I kind of let that go a little bit, my life changed a lot for the better. So here's the element that I think is kind of the, 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 the complementary element to that, right? Which is, I was always very focused on hustling. You know, I was like always a hustler. And that, that comes with a lot of sacrifice, right? Like there were people see like the results, the end result, but they don't see like all the weekend sacrifice to learn something, all of the networking events gone to, all of the hours of LinkedIn messages sent, you know? So if you're really passionate about, focus on building something, but be a little bit more friendly with the will of a room on what that path would be, right? I think the, the saying is like, um, tight convictions held loosely, something like this, you know? And, and I think that's been a very important lesson for me personally in the last three years of my career. Yeah, well, thank you. That's great advice. Definitely the um, networking aspect and like just trying to make, you know, I mean, friends in quotes, I mean, in a way, just be more genuine. I, I understand that. I feel like it's hard sometimes for students to approach people that are very advanced in their careers like that, that and they forget that it's not to be like transactional because it's a bit rude as well, you know, and, and it's not respecting the person. So definitely agree on that. And um, the flexibility and openness to different paths in your career also great advice. So thank you a lot, Natalia. Great. Um, I learned a lot from this episode, um, especially, you know, your perspective on the time is really um, interesting and, and unique. So thank you for participating. No, thank you for inviting me. I think that you are a really fantastic example of what I just said. I met you a year, a half, a year and a half ago when you decided you were interested in this world and you've just kept building your network and now you're doing big things with this podcast. So it makes me like super happy to see um, someone so young doing such big things. So honored to be here. <laughs> Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you a lot. I had a great time talking to Natalia. Definitely learned a lot about her perspective on venture capital in Latin America, um, the hot takes that she um, made, and also in general about her career. She's someone that I really admire, and I hope that you also um, learned and had a lot of fun listening to this podcast. If you're interested in understanding more about the Latin American venture ecosystem, 
please subscribe to this podcast. I'll be posting new episodes early every week. So thank you for the support.